0: Welcome to the Global Business Women's Pod brought to you by the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce. I am Susan Dyson and proud to be the CEO, President and Founder of the Chamber. Please join us for this empowering podcast every Thursday at 6 p.m. Please welcome to the stage Head of Wealth Management, Data Security and Infrastructure with Morgan Stanley, Rachel Wilson. Good morning ladies Is it- absolute pleasure to be with you all here this morning. As the Morgan Stanley teams know, they never have to twist my arm to come to Houston. Always a pleasure to be here, and we have a lot of ground to cover uh, in these next few minutes. So first, just by way of background, you know, as mentioned, I'm Rachel Wilson. I run cybersecurity, data protection, fraud prevention for Morgan Stanley Wealth Management. And in this job, I primarily am responsible for making sure that every system, every network, every application, that we field to our financial advisors and to our clients are as time-tested, battle-hardened, hacker-proofed as possible before we put them out there in the world. But this morning, ladies, we have a lot of ground to cover in the sense that I want to talk to you about cybersecurity and data protection risk in all of the many hats that you all wear. So you are here today because you are leaders in your business, you are leaders in your community, but you wear many other hats, right? Many of you are involved as directors on boards, many of you are involved in nonprofits, houses of worship, and of course, many of us are also mothers and daughters, sisters and wives, and I will argue to all of you this morning that in all of those capacities, you are presented with cybersecurity risk day in, day out. But first, by way of background, before coming to Morgan Stanley six years ago, I spent the first 15 years of my career living in the black box that is the National Security Agency, the NSA no such agency, never say anything, never saying a word about what I did at work. So you could imagine that having this as a job now is a little bit weird. All of a sudden, my day job is to talk about what I do at work. I still have these fears that I'm going to walk off the stage at the end of this and get arrested. So let's hope that does not happen. But by way of background, in my 15 years at the NSA, I spent a couple of years running the NSA's counterterrorism operations mission. So this, in layman's terms, using technical means to get onto the devices used by terrorists their smartphones, their tablets, their laptops, all with the goal of listening to their phone calls, reading their emails, geolocating them, everything we could do to prevent those terrorist attacks against the United States and her allies. Pretty stressful job. And ladies, I'll tell you, that is the job that prompted me to start coloring my hair, right? When you've got that stressful job, and woo, took years off my life. As a little bit of a reward then, I got to spend the next three years of my NSA career working out of the American Embassy in London, helping the British get ready for the 2012 Summer Olympics all kinds of terrorist plots against those Olympics, but the British, given their history, were very well versed in terrorist plotting. That means we Americans were laser focused on the cyber threats to those Olympics. So this was the Chinese trying to hack into the clocks, the timers at the Olympic venues. We had the Russians trying to hack into the databases that housed all the Olympic drug testing records which makes perfect sense now, made no sense to us at the time, very confusing. All kinds of miscreants looking to rub grit in the eyes of the British leading into those Olympics. I was thrilled to go home after those games went off without a hitch. I was lured back. And ladies, you have all had this moment in your careers where you're given the opportunity to do the thing that you have always wanted to do. The job that I had wanted from the day that I started at the NSA, and that was running the NSA's cyber exploitation operations mission. The NSA's professional hackers. Now, ladies, many of you are managers, so what I'm about to tell you is not gonna be a surprise. The job was great in a lot of ways, right? As a technologist, I got to work every technology on the planet, including a bunch of things you can't even buy in the United States. We had to have them diplomatically pouched in. That was awesome. As a patriot, this was a great job. right? We used to bring back what we called eye-watering intelligence, information that was so remarkable that when you thought about the fact that you were going to put it on the president's desk the next morning, brought a little tear to your eye. But there were some real downsides to managing America's professional hacking corps, and I will tell you women, almost entirely a male cadre of folks, and some really weird dudes. So think about the people we recruited into this job. right? These were the best computer scientists and computer engineers coming out of America's top universities. They were getting six-figure offers at Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon, and they came to work for me for government peanuts. Why? My pitch was, hey, if you want to do something that would be illegal anywhere else, I've got a job for you. You don't want to be beholden to the Computer Fraud and Abuses Act? Come work at the NSA. I'll pay you nothing, but I promise it'll be fun. Two biggest problems as a manager of the NSA hacking mission. First and foremost, hygiene. (laughs) Big problem. I had shower caddies in my office. These boys coming in in the morning. Little sniff test. Is Joe ready for work? Nope. we got to send him downstairs to the showers. All kinds of issues that, thank God, in my Morgan Stanley capacity, I do not have a hygiene problem in my office anymore. Other big problem, and the moms out there of, boys, you'll appreciate this, gaming addiction. Really big deal with the NSA hacking corps. Routinely staging Xbox interventions, PlayStation confiscations. We're getting girlfriends involved, moms involved. Sending alarm clocks, making phone calls. It's bad if this young man can't show up at work, but it's really bad at the NSA because it means I have to send the police to their house. I have to work with the assumption that they're on a plane to Moscow, that they've defected because that happened. So I do not miss many aspects of my NSA career. Came to Morgan Stanley after 15 years running our cybersecurity practice, we got a lot to worry about. So this morning, I wanna give you a glimpse into my sources of sleepless nights as the head of cybersecurity for a large bank, but then I wanna pivot to what I worry about for each and every one of you ladies in those many hats that you wear. I thought we were busy before the pandemic, but my God, I did not know what busy was. I will tell you, and I say this with great respect and admiration, during the pandemic, we all got really stupid. We're picking up the phone, we think that Microsoft is calling us, we're handing over our social security number, we're lonely, we're isolated, our mothers, my mother, my greatest source of sleepless nights right now, She's talking to anyone about anything because she is so desperate to be on the phone all the time. These situations, right, where we have women, you know, my mother lost her husband during the pandemic, and these last two years, she's alone, she is afraid, and she is being taken advantage of. These fraudsters, these hackers, they are coming after women, and COVID widows in particular, At a scale that has every one of us with an older woman in our lives you need to be calling her you need to be talking to her telling her if you do not know the phone number of the person who is calling you do not pick up the phone and know all well right that again Microsoft Apple they are never going to call you to offer you tech support because you theoretically have malware on your computer So what am I worried about in this job? Top of my list for the last six years, without a doubt, North Korea. Why North Korea? They are up against staunch international sanctions. They have no domestic economy to speak of, and yet they are trying to fund a wildly expensive missile and nuclear program. So how is North Korea doing this? How are they funding their government in 2023? They've made it a major plank of their national strategy that they're going to fund their government by hacking into banks and stealing money. But that is not the totality of their strategy. Again, the North Koreans are using their hacking cadre to fund their government with any ways and means possible. They're opportunistic. They're egalitarian. If you don't think you could be targeted by the North Koreans, I will tell you I think you're naive to think this. So the North Koreans, why are they so successful? Well, it's in no small part because they've resourced their hacking strategy at a very high level. So estimates have it at now 7,000 people within the North Korean government who have bank hacking, hacking for money as their full-time job and those ranks just continue to grow. Now I tell my kids all the time how fortunate they are that they did not grow up in North Korea. My teenage daughter says that having me as a mom feels like living in North Korea. (laughs) This is not fair. But it's rough for these North Korean kids. You grow up in North Korea, you turn 11. Your 11th birthday, you are administered an aptitude test by the government. You score best and brightest on that North Korean intelligence test, and you are immediately on-ramped into the bank hacking program. These kids moved away from their families, raised to be bank hackers, trained in dormitories from the age of 11. Also unfortunate, these North Korean hackers quite successful. Last year, the United Nations published a report supporting the allegations of 27 countries around the world, all of whom are asserting that the North Koreans have come after some aspect of their central bank to the tune of more than $3 billion over these last three years. That's a terrifying number when you think about those losses, but when you think about where that money is going, right into that missile and nuclear program, lots of things for all of us to be worried about. So what about for everyone in this room? What do I worry about for all of you? Top of my list, ransomware. You guys have all seen the news. You all saw Colonial Pipeline firsthand. These ransomware attacks, highly sophisticated, globally distributed, completely commoditized. These ransomware actors, if they were companies, We're talking Fortune 500 companies. They are incredibly well-organized and sophisticated in their tradecraft. And this makes sense, right? That when you think about the big trends in cybersecurity over the last five years, five years ago, vast majority of malicious cyber content that we saw on the internet, was nation states, right? It was Rachel in her NSA capacity. It was the Israelis, the Chinese, the British, the North Koreans, the Australians, all of these nations hacking each other to gather intelligence and to conduct espionage. Now, of course, all of that is still going on. And with Russia, China, Ukraine, we're seeing it at a massive scale. But, ladies, it is now dwarfed, all of that malicious cyber activity, now dwarfed by the volume of malicious cyber activity that we see that is criminal in nature and is financially motivated. So, again, any of us with two nickels to rub together need to be viewing ourselves as potential cyber targets. And when it comes to ransomware, I want you to see it as not an if, but rather a when. Now, these ransomware attacks, anyone who's experienced one will tell you, they are much more sophisticated than the pop-up you might have gotten five years ago asking for $500 in iTunes gift cards. They are all now triple extortion scams. So the hacker is going to start by getting into your environment. This could be your business. This could be your personal computer. This could be the nonprofit you support, the board of directors that you sit on. This could be the school that your children go to. Municipalities, school districts, hospitals, nonprofits, houses of worship, universities, all likely targets for ransomware. Hacker gets in, steals whatever you value most. That could be employee data, that could be customer data, that could be proprietary data that you wouldn't want your competitors to see. At hospitals, right? that's patient data, incredibly sensitive information. They're gonna steal that information, whatever it is that you would be willing to pay to have protected or to have restored. What is the lifeblood of your business? Next thing you know, you're gonna come into work on a Monday morning your volunteer capacity, your board, whatever you're supporting, and nothing works. Computers are all down, back-end database is corrupted, production environment isn't working, your website has been taken down, everything is broken. And at that point, you receive the first of three very spooky phone calls. First phone call hacker says, happy Monday, you'll notice everything's broken this morning. If you would like your systems, your computers, to work again, I'm going to need $50,000 in this cryptocurrency equivalent to this wallet in South Africa by 2 o'clock this afternoon. And if you don't pay by 2 o'clock, it'll be $60,000 tomorrow. That ransom will just keep ratcheting up. Now, maybe you pay, maybe you don't. I can tell you at Morgan Stanley, we never recommend paying a ransom because what happens when you pay? You've now shown your willingness to pay. You're going to be on that sucker list on the dark web. I am a woman who is willing to pay a ransom. You don't want to be on that list. But maybe you have no choice. You go ahead and pay. At that point, you will have the greatest customer service experience of your life. These hackers will be on the phone. They'll be talking to your IT department, getting your computer up and running. They're going to send you the decryption keys. You're going to be amazed. Your computer is going to work better than ever when they're done with you. And then they're going to send you a customer survey. How was your ransomware experience with us? Why? Because they are very reputationally sensitive. They want you to tell your friends and neighbors, yeah, I got hacked by Bulgaria. It was awesome. Fixed my router, wonderful. (laughs) But they're not done with you, right? Again, these are triple extortion scams. Hackers going to call back the next day and say, you know, it was a pleasure working with you yesterday, really glad everything's working so well. But you know, while we were in your environment, we did steal all of your data. And if you don't want me to sell it on the dark web tomorrow, if you don't want me to sell it to your competitor, if you don't want all of your customer data exposed, I'm going to need another 50,000 in that same crypto wallet by 2 p.m. this afternoon. Or you know, I'm just going to post it all and I'm going to tell everyone that you were unwilling to pay to protect your customers. Again, maybe you pay, maybe you don't. But here's the kicker. The hacker is still not finished because he is still in your environment. He's on your network. He's in your systems. And so that third phone call, hackers going to say, well, you know, your systems are working today. And I didn't sell your data today. But if you don't want me to sell it tomorrow, and you don't want me to re-encrypt your environment tomorrow, I'm going to need a monthly fee in perpetuity, right? They figured out what we all know, right? We don't want the one-time payment. We want that continuous revenue model. Ransomware as a service, you're now going to subscribe to this hacker. And the real crazy thing about it is the hacker, in addition to agreeing to keep your systems up and running, not to sell your data on the dark web, they've got a third service. They're going to help protect you in theory, this is honor amongst thieves here, right, from other hacking gangs that want to come in and do the exact same thing. This is the brave new world we are living in from a cybersecurity perspective in 2023, where I have dozens of clients who are not happily, but are quite willingly paying mafia-style protection money to one Eastern European hacking gang to theoretically protect them from the rest. Now, what do we do about this? Cybersecurity is a definite example of where an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And the most important thing that all of you can be doing in all of the many hats that you wear is to keep all of your systems fully patched and up to date. That means that as soon as that software update comes out, you want to make sure that you are updating your phone, updating your laptop, updating your tablet. Don't be like my daughter. Mom, I see that the new iOS version came out, but there's no new fonts, no new emojis, and I cannot go without my phone for 20 minutes. So I'm going to wait. Waiting is a huge mistake. That software update, that patch, all software manufacturers are constantly discovering new flaws, new bugs, new vulnerabilities in their code. They are fixing those vulnerabilities, and they are issuing to us as consumers the fix in the form of that patch, that software update. When that patch is released, this is the moment of greatest risk. For us, that patch is the solution to the security problems we didn't even know we had. But for the hackers, oh boy, that patch is an opportunity. It is a treasure map. The hackers are going to reverse engineer the patch, discover the underlying vulnerabilities that it mitigates, and then weaponize those vulnerabilities against anyone who has not yet patched. Do scans of broad swaths of the internet, looking for anyone who has not updated their phone, you're the one who's going to get the malware. Keeping our systems fully patched, corporately, personally, all of the institutions that we support, absolutely crucial. All right, I want to close this morning with some other best practices, some things we can all be doing to be safer cyber citizens. We need to talk about passwords. Now, I mingled with some of you this morning. And there is a woman in this room, I'm not going to look at her or point at her, who admitted to me this morning that she is using Kittens25 as her password everywhere all the time. And she's been doing this for 10 years. This is bad, right? When we use the same password everywhere and it gets compromised anywhere, we are then at risk everywhere we've used it. But passwords are a pain. And if you think, you know, so the woman I talked to this morning, I had a, gave her a big lecture, right? I mean, I'm pretty militant about this. You guys can tell. I said, you got to be using a unique password for every login. It's got to be maximally lengthy. It's got to be a random alphanumeric string. It's got to be complex. She says, Rachel, I hear you. I'm going to add an exclamation point. (laughs) No good, right? Kittens 25 for the next decade is not what I'm looking for here. Instead, we strongly recommend using a password manager app. I know some of you ladies are using these, things like LastPass, Dashlane, Keeper, one These password managers, they store passwords for you. They create random alphanumeric strings that we as human beings could never come up with. Computers are really good at this they keep those passwords, lengthy random passwords for you in a cryptographically sound way, then when you need to access those passwords, they will auto-fill right into that password field for you based on either a passphrase that only you know or that biometric on your phone. Why do we love these? Unique passwords. No more kittens 25 everywhere all the time. Maximally lengthy and complex. If it's a 50 character password field, they will give you a 50 character password. But the best thing about them, the storage. Any of you women who are storing your passwords in a notes file on your phone? That Word document or Excel file on your home computer? My least favorite option, the post-it note under the keyboard. (laughs) You are fooling no one, right? We got to keep our passwords in a safer state. These password manager apps let you do that. All right, ladies, one more tip for all of you this morning. Some people are surprised to learn, you know, 25 years in the cybersecurity space, this is all I've ever done. For me, this is not a job. This is a calling. This is my life's work. People are surprised to hear that I do all of my personal banking and investing online. You think that I come off the stage, put on my aluminum foil hat, go back in my cave, that I'm off the grid. Not the case. I am the most digitized person you will ever meet. This is in part because I have a lot of confidence in what Morgan Stanley builds for our clients, but it's even more so because of the risk around physical paper. I am asking all of you to get away from physical paper. The risk and liability of those 20 years of tax returns that you and your parents have sitting around, those statements, that personal check, you've got to get rid of all of it. But when you choose to do so, and I recommend you do, I also recommend that you consider having a single standalone device that you use only for your banking and investing activities. This need not be an expensive device, you know, a Chromebook, couple hundred bucks, encrypted out of the box. Great way of bifurcating your risk. We recommend this, the FBI does too, that you consider having one device right, that you use only for your high consequence activities, your banking, your investing, your business, that you do not use for any of your high-risk activities, your online shopping, your online gaming, your, uh, your social media. Why? Again, by bifurcating that high-risk activity from that high-consequence activity, we can better protect ourselves. This is the approach that I've taken in my family for many years. My teenage son, 17 years old, his laptop, oh boy. I'm in all that online gaming. There is no question that his laptop is hacked. It is compromised eight ways from Sunday. I would not touch my son's laptop with a 10-foot pole, and that's not just because he's a 17-year-old boy. The reality is, I know his laptop is hacked. Likewise, he knows that mommy's laptop is untouchable to him, that it's only for banking and investing in work activities. And again, in this way, by physically bifurcating those high-risk activities from those high-consequence activities, we can better protect ourselves. Ladies, it has been an absolute pleasure this morning. Thank you for the time. You've been amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you again next Thursday at 6 p.m. For more information about the Chamber and our podcast, please visit us at ghwcc.org.